Hello and welcome to the Letter Science Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Hyde. So Andy works with elite youth and senior soccer players, and he does that through his company, Aesthetic Athletics. He's also worked with the NHS as strength and nutrition coach, and he's worked with the Leeds United Ladies Academy, which makes him the perfect person today to discuss how you can improve the efficiency of your week in elite football. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Andy onto the show. So Andy, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yes. So my name is Andy. I'm a strength and conditioning coach from Manchester in England and I work with football players. So I work with um, youth players in elite academies and I work with senior players as well, um, ranging from semi-pro to the elite level. Um, previously, I've worked with Leeds United to work with the Girls Academy, and I also worked in the NHS as well as a strength and conditioning coach. That was a real role, by the way. You know, the, the the badge actually said strength and conditioning coach. Um, <laughs> so, and like that's that's kind of like assisting enter end stage rehab physiotherapy that kind of stuff. Yeah, mate, that that could be quite early. That could be like from twelve weeks onwards, like post ACL rehab for like a football player, let's say. Um, and yeah, of course, I've worked with Science for Sport and I've done some projects with Catapult as well around some like field-based work for football players. And yeah, I did my uh, degree and my master's at Leeds Beckett and that's brought me to where I am now, yeah. Absolutely fantastic, mate. So obviously we're here to discuss football um, and specifically how players can then plan their week to to get the best out of the the training stimuli that they get, right? So um, obviously you can't just do everything on Monday, Tuesday and then rest for the rest of the week. Um, there's lots of different physical variables that are in there and you can plan that to be as efficient, as effective as possible. But before we get into the depths of that, um, can you take us through what a, a professional footballer's schedule might look like? Yeah, so it's a tough question to answer because it really depends on on the club, uh, you know, the league and the SNC coach and, and not even just, you know, within a particular club, but but a country and that country's culture. Um, you know, it's like USA, like weights, weights, weights. You know, Argentina or Spain might be like, you know, pitch-based circuits, you know, Bosu balls, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in the UK. I see a few get... of them coming on Instagram. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, I had some, um, I, I got some, I got some stick, but also some, uh, some support when I um, did a review of uh, one of those circuits, like a voiceover a few weeks ago. It was, yeah, it was interesting. But um, yeah, then you know, UK, you might have like the the French boss and the the, the 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 hip lock, you know, hip lock, hip lock um, side, of, side of things. So yeah, it, it really does depend. And um, that's why it's hard to kind of give an example of a, a typical week, um, especially with different competitions throughout different countries. But I think the one thing that we could look at in common is um, around a game day, you know, no matter what, all, all the teams have game days and they have the day before a game and the day after a game. And for the for the pro clubs, it's very different to, for me, for example, working with them privately. The pro clubs will have a lot of contact with them. So let's say like match day, it was a Saturday in a prem. Um, and, you know, match day minus one, for example, you, you would expect to have something like a primer where, you know, you're doing, you might have some higher impact plyometric work, but it would be really low volume. You know, you'd have some ballistic work just to fire up the nervous system. Um, probably wouldn't have any strength work. I know some coaches now would probably use isometric type work, um, you know, for like that rate of force development side of things. But to, to personally, I don't use it. And then you're probably just going to have some general upper body strength as well. Um, 
not to the point where it's like taxing the nervous system because it is all load on the nervous system. You want it to be fresh for the game, but anywhere from kind of 24 to 48 hours from the game, you might expect to see that sometimes even the modern of the game. But I think, you know, that that's kind of general. You might see that in any sport, but I think what's more interesting is what's done after the game. So let's say you have, have starters um, or play, you know, um, players that have played 90. Um, then you might have players that didn't start, played 45 or less, or, you know, didn't play. Um, it's interesting to see what's done after the game in, in top pro clubs. So those that played or, you know, more than 45 or 90 or started, their day's done after that. Um, whereas the ones that didn't, they're probably going to do a top-up session where you might get something like um, some high-speed running exposure to start with to get the overall volume in. And then sometimes you might even do, you know, some clubs might do top speed work before that and do it fresh to get that highest kind of neural output. Some clubs might do it after the high speed running to do under fatigue. And then they might throw into some small side games, uh, some small sided games to get the technical and tactical work in there to change the directions, D cells, X cells. And um, mate, that could be done right after the game. I've seen that done on the pitch, like in the stadium at like Arsenal, let's say. Um, the other way to do it is, is a day after. Because that training session, that, that top-up session wouldn't exceed the demands of the actual game itself. You could get away with doing it the morning after. And then they would still have a similar recovery timeline to, to the players that played 90, like the day before. And then what it allows the clubs to do is do like medical checks and, you know, um, put re recovery protocols in place for the players that did play. Obviously, there's a caveat there because if someone's played 90 the day before, you don't want to get them up at 8 a.m. to come and do recovery. You know, just fucking have a lion. But like, yeah. you know, so there's obviously caveats to it. But, you know, then, like, you know, the the actual coaches, the, the, the technical coaches might want to do reviews of the game. So this is where you have to look at, like, the actual the, the structure of the club. But, you know, in terms of, let's say, contrast that to semi-pro, they usually train on a Tuesday and a Thursday evening and they play on a Saturday. And apart from that, you know, they're kind of left to their own devices. So that's where someone like myself might come in to help with senior players a little bit more. Um, and it's, it's, it's a tough one for the semi-pro players, to be honest, because, you know, some of them are in full-time setups. Some of them are working alongside that. Um, so, you know, they might have to do gym sessions in the evenings. And, and we'll get into that later on in terms of, like, um, what a typical week like, might look like for them. But in terms of, like, youth players, um, now... They can have midweek games, they can have Sunday games, they can have tournaments, they can have trips abroad where, you know, like Manchester City are playing like PSG and like Barcelona somewhere. You know, you've got like the Kevin De Bruyne Cup, let's say. Um, don't know if you've heard of that, but that, that, that's a pretty cool cup. But um, I don't actually think the week should be too structured. Not in the sense of it, it, it shouldn't be well managed. Like stakeholders in terms of the club that they're at, let's say the academy and the... Um, let's say the other sport they sample throughout the week and maybe if they go to like an athletic development class i'm not saying that these stakeholders shouldn't you know take care with, with the players but i don't think it should be too structured like a um like a senior player would have um, and i think that you know with the younger age groups if you try and prepare too specifically then they're not good generally and, and i think at that age you want to be like a jack of, a jack of all trades and then eventually you can be a master at one um, but yeah, I think in, in terms of that, I think in between the training with the club, just balancing out what they do. So, you know, if they, if, if they train three times a week, they do an extra session with a private coach, they do an athletic 
development class, then maybe take them swimming one day and take the load off the legs. And, or, you know, maybe like kickboxing or, or boxing. And, you know, I believe that just to touch on the youth development stuff a little bit, um, it's like learning another language in terms of doing another sport. So your brain can speak your main sport better. You know, we touched on it before, um, before we started recording with, you know, let's say kickboxing and um, or MMA and the ability to hold your body or, or stand on one leg stably. Um, so, uh, yeah, for, the, for those kind of players, you know, you wouldn't begin to look at specializing and looking at the weekly structure properly in, until they're around, you know, maybe between the ages of 14 to 19. Um, and that's when you start to add intensity and intent. Yeah, so it's a really nice little overview of how that goes through different um, like qualities and standards. So when, when you've got that weak structure, so maybe less structured for youth and more structured for professional, um, when you've got that structure, what are the key sessions which you're going to use to, to fill that? So what, what do you need to work on throughout the week in order to optimize performance? So I think for me, one of the, one of the most, it's not, I would call it a non-negotiable personally is, um, and it, this one kind of doesn't count with body composition. You know, just first of all, absolute basics. Yeah. You need the body composition to be able to just just move and and run and turn and you know perform highly and just just deal with <laughs> deal with sport um, in football anyway. You know, obviously that's going to differ in rugby. And um, the other thing is then just an aerobic base. You you need to be able to run. It's a ninety minute game, and in my opinion, with the with the amount that players are training and playing now at those younger ages that we just mentioned that base should really be developed and kind of continue to progress as the playing time and the pitch dimension step up as they get older, as just as they play and train. You know, of course, they're going to develop it doing other sports. Maybe if they try swimming or like, you know, they go out on the bike, let's say. But um, honestly, I don't think by the t- if you're playing at a good level, by the time you get into the senior levels, you shouldn't need to be worried about doing extra running because you need to like catch up. Um, yeah. you know, obviously in the off season and in the preseason, um, I think Dan Baker has been on here before and said that in terms of, you know, that minimum effective dose, you need to be getting in at least, I think it was like eight to, I think it was like 10 minutes of mass a week to, to kind of, yeah, it could be. So, so I think Bushai recommends something like, uh, between eight and, uh, 16 above a, a certain, uh, certain intensity yeah. to improve aerobic performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And then, um, another one, I'd probably go down in kind of priority order here is match strength. Um, I think just kind of globally football players generally aren't strong enough. Um, they, they probably don't prioritize that enough. And in terms of force, produ- force production for being strong in challenges, um, for projecting the body when they accelerate the sprint, you know, I, th- I think footballers, that, that projection is key. And I think, don't quote me on this, but Matt Rhea, and I think this was in a different population. I think this was in like collegiate football athletes. But I think from data he posted on Twitter, he found that like, you know, a one point times seven bodyweight back squat kind of was as much as you need to maximize force production to the ground with like, acceleration and sprinting. Um, but I was tagged in a video uh, a few days ago. I think it was me and James Ralph both tagged in a video off an SNC coach of Salah speaking about his training. And um, he said that he doesn't really focus on weights too much because they will make him bulky and slow him down. And he doesn't need that much strength. So, and obviously Salah's, you know, one of the best forwards the Prem scene in a while. So, you know, I'm not bashing Salah here. And like I say, if we look back at the aerobic thing that I touched on in terms of playing enough, he's played football enough generally 
And, you know, genetically, he's, he's obviously not too bad off either that he, he can just keep up with the demands of the game anyway. You know, you can't say he's not strong enough or fast enough or fit enough. But the caveat is that maybe if he, if he had got that strength work, not, not got the strength work right, but if he had tried to optimise his physical performance in the most informed way possible, then, then maybe he would have had a bit more physically. But it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, does it? It doesn't really matter. No, but um, I, I think it's, it's interesting to to think about what the player then sees in that situation and then what potentially the, the strength coaches are seeing. And yeah, obviously there, there's some kind of balance in there as well, right? So yes. maybe maybe the player's like, oh, I don't really like that. I don't think it works for me. And on the other hand, the S&C coaches might be like, you know what, he does really need that. Mm. Um, where you kind of drip it in or you put it in without him really noticing. And there's there's that side of things, which is like a, a kind of a little game in the in the gym to kind of get them to do stuff that you think is, is right. Because um, I don't for a second think that he does no strength training. Um, but also there's a huge genetic component to that as well, right? So if you're already strong and fast and explosive, like the the risk versus reward to do more maybe yeah. kind of skewed in a, in in a negative way so i can completely understand that he goes you know what i'm i'm super fit i don't need to get a higher squat level or get a high deadlift or jump higher or whatever it's, it's not his game no i'm probably at his age it's just continuing to be an expert at your sport and just staying match available you know just staying healthy you know yeah. um and then yeah, moving on, power, he could put, maybe put elasticity and, you know, the rate of force development from the max strength in, into that. Um, the only reason that, I put, that I've said speed, you know, acceleration, so, you know, the rate that you can, can change your speed and then the fastest speed you can get to is because players are already sprinting a lot in the game. And, um, again, I think that max strength side of things is, is undervalued. But, yeah, I think players should be getting at least one top speed session in a week somewhere and then in terms of agility you know players develop a lot of that training and and you know just playing the game anyway um but again there are still like you said games games-based approaches that you can use to to develop that in different ways um and apart from that mate honestly for football players like the upper body stuff is just general just general strength isn't it to be honest you know that you don't need to consider it like you do for a rugby player yeah yeah logical um yeah i think as long as you're not like like Salah said, as long as you're not too bulky and it slows you down, then uh, you're probably all right. There we go. Um, so when we've got all of these physical qualities that you just mentioned, which is just a huge range of great things that everyone wants to have, like obviously you need to structure that into a week. So how do you go about planning that to be efficient and effective? Because you can't just, of course, do loads of match strength training and then play the next day. Yeah. So if it's the off season, then you know for me this is the time to. Because you know, in the off season, you're only going to get four to six weeks anyway. Just, just prioritize a little bit of, of your physical performance there, and just, just, just go hard with it where you can. Because in the preseason, really now you can't because there's that much technical and tactical training. And in season, you can't. So let's say we were looking at in season, and and let's say again, we'll just take that semi-pro setup because we know that that's kind of a a standard weekly structure of Tuesday, Thursday training and Saturday game. Coming into Monday. There could very well still be some neuromuscular fatigue there. It, sometimes it can take up to three days for, for players to fully recover. So honestly, on a Monday, I would just go in and do an upper body session just just to allow that full recovery to take place. Just go in and hit that general upper body strength. Just get something in. 
And then if you go on to Tuesday, that's now match day plus three. So you've got your match day plus three on a Tuesday and then minus three on a Wednesday. Those are going to be your best two days to do something in the gym with intent and intensity. So that's where I'd actually be looking at doing some plyometric work with higher impacts and top speed. Get that in earlier in the week when you're going to be a little bit fresher. And then, you, you know, you can get that. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> you can get that in. A, I had a cold last week and it's still hanging around. You can get that in. You can get that in before training. So you can actually have. So Monday's been a low day. And then Tuesday can be a high day where, yeah, you've, you've got a double session. You're going to do some plyos and top speed and then you're going to train with your club, but you can get it in before. And then it means that Wednesday can be a little bit of a lower day. You can still get something in, but just not something that's going to be taxed into your neuromuscular system like the day before was. So that's maybe where you can get, you know, a little bit of a low intensity mass in, get that, um, get that minimum effective dosing. And then, um, you, you could even had you could you could even have that day off if it was me I'd probably have that day off and on Thursday you've got match day minus two that's where I think you can hit some lower body strength um, plyos would in terms of intensity it would probably be a little bit lower than what you'd have on the Tuesday but you can definitely get some low volume strength work in there and again that's going to be one of your high days and then Friday will be a low day so again there I wouldn't even do a primer I would just do an upper body session. And then you can go into Saturday ready to go. There is obviously different ways you can do that. You know, on a Monday, you could do a full, especially if you stuck for time on a Monday, you could do a full body session. You know, just the overall volume on, on the lower body would have to be lower and it would probably have to facilitate recovery, um, you know, rather than actually trying to drive adaptation in some ways. So that's that's where the caveats come in because then you could do a session on a Wednesday and then you could do a prime on a Friday. But then that means that in a sense, you've had training Tuesday, Thursday, You've probably gone heavy on the Wednesday, match day minus three, and you've kind of those those high days have kind of been on the balance maybe a little bit too much. Um but yeah, I think as well, when some coaches, you know, they kind of bash players in terms of get them off the ball for a minute, you know, they need more strength. And I agree they need generally they need to be stronger. Um but really, you know, let's take someone like Rodri, for example, at the minute, just because he's smashing at sea and he's in his prime, in my opinion. It's completely position dependent in terms of like, do they need more and more and more of that physical performance? Like what, like what I said, how, how we spoke about with Salah, like what I said there, you know, they're only hitting lower body one, one day a week on, on, on a one game week. But like Rodri, when you think of him, he's not like enough, enough like God by any means. And obviously this is position dependent. He plays like a CDM role, but like, he's just good at his sport. He's a PhD, like he's an expert at his sport. And, and obviously, if you're playing on the wing, then you're like Mbappe, that's obviously a different story. But I just think that needs to be considered as well. And just in season, like, like how much are you actually kind of on these players for not doing enough strength work or not doing enough of this or enough of that? I think it's, it's, it's difficult, right? So obviously, <clears throat> there's no there's no one answer because of the the demands of the week are so big. Like the the key thing is to recover in time. So it's really difficult to say, oh, they need to do. A, B, and C extra. It's definitely possible, but I think people quickly make the mistake of thinking they need to do like a, a serious low body session. So it's like a, I don't know, three or four exercises and like hit all of the muscle groups and all of that kind of stuff. It's like maybe just a couple of sets, you'll be all right. Like the the volume if it's low enough, you can recover from, and the intensity as long as it's high enough to get a stimulus, but low enough to recover from. Like if you can play with those variables, I think there's definitely something to be said for doing some kind of low uh, low level work there. What, what you just mentioned was was interesting, right? So in a, in a two game week, 
what are the differences? So you've just taken us through a week where it's obviously Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. Let's say you go Saturday and you've got Champions League on Wednesday. Um, what, what's the difference there in terms of how you're going to structure those, those training sessions? Yeah, or if you're so, even going to include them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we will go... We'll we'll go with the semi-pro setup again. Actually, no, this this could be a pro setup too because there's Champions League games on a Tuesday. So we'll just use that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that because when I'm playing my seven aside on a Tuesday night and it's a low turnout, I know, oh, it's cancelled. I know there's a Champions League game on a Tuesday night and people yeah. don't want to play and City yeah. are playing. Um, but so again, we have that Monday, which is match day minus two, but it's, it's match day, uh, sorry, match day plus two, but also minus one. Yeah. So, you know, there could actually be a little bit of neuromuscular fatigue hanging around. So that's where I'd actually, I'd actually put some plyos in there, but they would be low intensity plyos. And quoting um, Matt McKins Watson here, these would be like deep tier or kind of low ceiling plyos where, to be honest, they're probably going to just increase blood flow to the legs and mobilize like the hips and knees and, and just make the place feel a little bit looser. But it's also a nice opportunity to um, getting a little bit of work where you're going to improve the yield from certain muscles and, and, and tendons at, at a low intensity, basically. Um, what, so that's what, what kind of exercise are we thinking about there? Because you, you said obviously deep tier, but that might not mean much to some people. So what, what does that mean? Yes, apologies. So um, a very basic example is like a, a low jump squat. So so the way I'd explain it is maybe you hold a really light medicine ball. You don't have to, but maybe like... Um, a two, to, a two to three kilo medicine ball, you could hold it at your chest or down at your hips. And you're going to squat down as low as you can. And then you're going to basically frog hop up and down as bouncy as possible. And essentially, I imagine your mum and dad are asleep in, in like a bed in, in the next room. You're going to try and just bounce across across the landing as if you're trying not to wake them up. So it's super it's super light, super submax. Um plyometric work, longer ground contact times, deeper ranges of motion, where, you know, the quads, the glutes, and maybe even depending on how you set the technique up, the hamstrings um, are going to be working a little bit more. The tendons will still be working as well, but it's super low impact. And I find that when I do them with players, I do them at the start of sessions because it makes them feel kind of loose and ready to go. And again, it it gets the blood flowing a little bit too. Um, So on, on a match day, plus two, minus one, I'd, I'd be looking at incorporating some of that stuff to actually promote recovery. And then I'd just be going, may, maybe some coaches would use some ISOs to dose in a bit of strength work, but I personally wouldn't. I'd just go into some upper body work. And then Tuesday game, Wednesday off, you know, you've, you've had a congested period from Saturday to Tuesday there. And then um, I'd wait until Thursday. So there you, you're a match day plus two and minus two. That's going to be your best day in that week to get some, higher in higher intensity plyometrics and lower body strength working now obviously the caveat is that i said some fatigue could still be hanging around at that point so it depends on the individual and you know how many minutes have played and, and how well they've recovered in terms of how much you do in terms of volume and intensity and then friday i'd be hitting an upper body session and, and i won't be doing any primers and then you'd go back into your game saturday so it's a that's a much more difficult week to to plan right like the recovery um, the recovery component is just way larger and you've got two big red days or the, the, the intense days of the games, but also then you've got to kind of like shift all of the other stuff down a, lo- a level to, to be able to recover for that. Yeah. 
So if if we were to to walk through like what you would do then, could you could you take us through how you go through a gym based session with a footballer to improve one aspect that we talked about? So for example, either either power or speed or strength. Like how would you take them in the gym in one of these settings, so in either a, a double game week or a single game week, to improve some kind of aspect of physical performance? Yeah. So we'll go with um we'll go with let's say a let's say a Thursday session um where it's either match day plus two and minus two or if it was a one game week um it's match day minus two so so some of this is going to look quite general in terms of um you know some, some of it could be done by any any athlete or any player it's not like you know this is just for a footballer this is just kind of how you need to structure the week um for an athlete to to, you know manage load and be game ready but personally i like to start with a flow i know we spoke about these before in this in in, in this part of like the session i get to catch up with the player because it's, it's that easy for them to do they can have a little bit of a conversation whilst they're doing it it's not taking their breath away we can catch up on um how they're feeling in more detail than a phone call or a conversation prior to the session which just with life now it's it's quite hard quite hard to do that stuff well and with substance over over like text um Again, we're promoting blood flow, just getting them mentally ready and just kind of loosen them up for the session. And then um, I always ask them, you know, like, how do your legs feel one to five? Generally, it's like how well, how well recovered do you feel? Um, and then that'll inform um, if I change any exercises or if we adjust the volume or the intensity a little bit. And then again, I'll go into those lower deep plyometrics to start off with just to get them loose and, and, and ready for the higher intensity stuff to come. Um, so we would, would also do some light plyos there. So this is going to be stuff where this, this could be shorter ground contact times versus the low and the deep stuff, but it's just, it's just light here in terms of, let's say you were doing a pogo, you just, you're at a lower intensity. So you're working on like your posture and, and your ability to reflex off the floor a little bit quicker and your ability to anticipate the ground, um, rather than going for those max outputs where you might not be ready to do that yet. Then after that, I use something called a skill challenge. So we do it after the jumps because just because they're usually a little bit more fired up to do it. And this is where it's just like, this is the time just to get, get off the weights and get off the football and just all running and something like that. And just do something random to challenge you as an athlete in a different way, but also improve your ability to learn new skills by learning new skills and just keep a bit of that child in there. So this could be something like a handstand a kip up off the floor, something from capoeira, like a macaco. Um, I could give them a medicine ball and say, right, lie on your back. You can't take either hand off the ball. You've got to figure out like as many ways as you can to stand up. Um, yeah, without taking hands off the ball, basically. You know, I could ask them to do like a, put them against the wall and say, right, walk down the wall with your hands into a crab. So, you, you know, just just something random. It's a little bit of fun. And then after that, we actually go into the game speed stuff. So this is where now, you know, they've warmed up, they've done the light plyos, they've done a skill challenge, and, and we're getting into the the main part of the intent of the session here. And the game speed stuff, this is kind of a concept that um, I think he's done a course, and I think he's been on the podcast. Is it Jason? I don't know how you say his second name. Jason Fairheller, something like that. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he does the game speed work. So I've actually adapted a few concepts from him here where in a small space and over smaller distances and you know, we're dosing, a, we're dosing in a little bit of like impact and load to the legs, but not too much. 
we might work, let's say it was a defender, we might work on something like um, an acceleration where their legs and their torso are separated. So they're running one way and looking the other way as if, as if they're tracking back of a defender. And then they do like a crossover step as if the attacker's gone one way. And then they have to cross over back the other way and decelerate as if, the appro as if they've approached the, the attacker, basically. So we'll dose in a little bit of that. Again, that has to be managed and you have to do super low volumes. And oftentimes we're just focusing on technique because before we had intent, because they've had uh, training on a Tuesday or a game and they've got training on a Thursday evening. So you have to be careful about that. And then that, that's where we'll then do our, like, our ping or high intensity plyos or ballistic work. So this could be something like a hop where it's like maybe two forward, two forward, two forward, one back. So working on that ability to redirect yourself as an athlete. So trying to make it as, as specific as you can to, to locomotion in the game. Um, you know, I tend to do less bounding because just running is bounding one foot to the other. So I actually tend to do more if, if cause you've got to pick your exercises wisely and not in abundance. I'll just pick like a hop and then maybe like a, a, a two foot jump. So maybe like a vertical jump to a broad jump where they're dealing with impact, but they have to redirect themselves in a different way. Um, and again, lower volume of that stuff. Strength work, again, low volume. I'll reduce the range of motion, maybe even put them one, on one leg to um, reduce the overall loading demands and like the neuromuscular fatigue and, you know, something like a single leg squat. I would I don't really use like rear foot elevated in season just because of the doms it can, it can produce. And I, pro, I, pro, I don't really use back squats either, just be, unless you've got like, that match day plus three or minus three, and you've got a really good window. Um, and, you know, we'll do like two sets of like, you know, four to five reps each leg. And then same with something like a primary strength exercise, you'll have one in there, like an RDL. Maybe we might do like one to two sets of like three to five reps. And, you know, we're leaving reps in reserve as well, you know, somewhere in the, in the three plus rep range. Sometimes it can be really high, like six reps plus, and they're just lifting with intent. And then, you know, you just finish off with some, some core work. Um, Usually I, I don't go for that anti type work in terms of core. I go for, you know, movement based, so like flexion, lateral flexion, rotation. This could be just general strength. It could be like a contract and relax type exercise, or it could be like linking in. And I've seen you post a little bit of this stuff, especially with the Kaiser machine, you know, connect linking from the legs to the trunk. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of what a Thursday session might look like. Absolutely excellent, mate. So before we wrap up, I'm I'm interested to hear if you've got any top tips for for young footballers who are looking to improve their physical performance. So could you give us like a, a ten second and these top tips of what uh, what youth footballers can do to improve their performance? Sample different sports. Don't specialize in football too early. Don't see it as a job. See it as a hobby, and enjoy it. Perfect. Andy, massive thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure talking. Where can people find a little bit more about you and what you're up to? Um, my, my HQ, if you will, is Instagram, Aesthetic Athletes. Uh, that's where I post all of my work. So, yeah. Brilliant. So, Andy, massive thanks for your time and effort on the podcast. I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you for having me. Speak soon. Cheers, buddy. See ya. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Andy for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science courses which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get your hands on some more great sports science information, all you have to do is hit the link in the show notes and you can get into the Coach Academy completely for free for the next seven days. So hit that link in just a few seconds time. 
And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon of Sound Support. And I'll speak to you next week.